Oh no! What's happening with all this traffic? I gotta get to Dan! There's an accident up ahead. Oh no! I hope nobody got hurt! Oh, why did we have to make our getaway in a B-shaped car? Everybody's gonna know we're in the business now! Sheila, I'm ready to communicate with you. Tell you my secrets. Jacob Joseph, you've worn a diaper every day since I've met you. I I don't think you have any secrets left. You know that accident up there? Someone got hurt. Oh no! Do they need some pancakes? I think I got some cardamom in the glove compartment. The man died. Oh no! He ran a good prison, just like Eustace. Jacob Joseph, you're scaring me. They scare me too sometimes, Sheila. Who? I see dead wardens. I see Ed Norton, too, as often as I can. He's my favorite Hulk. Sheila, you ignorant slut. He's clearly the fourth best Hulk. But that's not the point. I see dead wardens. Like the man up the road. Like Eustace. You mean Eustace B. What's-his-name? He used to be alive. Now Eustace be talking to him? Eustace be kidding me. I'm not, Sheila. Dead wardens are attracted to me like bees to honey. <laughs> Jacob Joseph, now is not the time. Sorry, just a little buzzness humor. How can I believe you, JJ? You've double and triple crossed me, gaslighted me and made love to me, dressed me up in diapers and bee costumes and made me hide Fred's shiv in all sorts of places. (laughs) Sheila, the warden has a message for you. He's sorry he took your bumblebee pendant. My bumblebee pendant? I was going to bring that to Dan. He knows how much it means to you, but he can't let you have it back until you do him a favor. He wants you to send something to the mail sack for him, and he says he forgives you. Oh, oh, he used to be a great warden. Yes, he used to be, but he's gone now. I think we should name a bee after him. Yes, the Eustace Bee. That's beautiful. <laughs> 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 Anyway, we have to get the warden's final message to the mail sack so Dan can read it on episode 12 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. (laughs) No, you can read whatever you want from the mail sack. We either uh, just made our longtime listeners really happy or lost... (laughs) Six new. I love it. Nothing can top Gene Shallot, so. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to a simpler time, a more prosperous time. Let's face it, a better time. A time when our biggest global concern was Y2K, and the dumbest thing our president did was lie about sex with a woman who wasn't a porn star. 1999 was considered a golden age for movies, with films like The Matrix, Election, Three Kings, The Iron Giant, Magnolia, Toy Story 2, Eyes Wide Shut, Being John Malkovich, Office Space, and Fight Club, all destined to become modern classics. 1999 was also a summer filled with half-baked sequels like The Spy Who Shagged Me and underwhelming prequels like The Phantom Menace. But August 6th, 
saw the release of the year's biggest hit to not feature the words Star or Wars in the title, M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. It was joined on the calendar by John McTiernan's remake of The Thomas Crown Affair and the Ben Stiller-fronted superhero comedy Mystery Man. But before we dig into those three films, Fred and Dan, where were you guys in the summer of 1999? Okay, I had just moved to New York. In Good 99. I know. Crazy. Because uh, I had moved there, well, j- just a couple months before August 99. But I mean, I was still a, mm-hmm. a new New Yorker. I, I uh, was in grad school from 95 to 98 down in Florida and then uh, lived at home and was a substitute teacher for a year. I forgot. Oh, my God. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It's a period of my life I always forget about. But between 98 and 99, you know, May of 98 to May of 99, I was I lived at home with my parents for a year post wow. my, you know, after my MFA and substitute taught and worked at, you know, a variety of other ridiculous jobs. And then I moved uh, to New York and I was working at the revolving restaurant at the top of the Marriott Marquis in Times Square, oh, wow. which is called The View. Right. And what sucked about that restaurant among a whole variety of things, nothing against the Marriott Corporation, but this particular restaurant, <laughs> when you walk the kitchens in the middle and the whole restaurant revolves around it. So every time you walk out of the kitchen, you don't know where you are. Oh, wow. oh, you have to like find your section. Did you get restaurant. nauseous? Yes. Did it ever ever spin fast? Could you like push the lever and go? If if that were possible, I would have done it because I hated fucking working at this place. And so right about this time, right as we're about to move into the fall, I get my first out of town, you know, one of my first out of town professional um, acting jobs, which is actually back at my old uh, alma mater, Florida State. Um, And I you know, go and talk to the people at The View and I say, hey, I'm about to leave for four months. Um, Do I still have a job here when I get back? And they were like, no. And I went, thank God. Bye. (laughs) I fucking left. (laughs) Because I hated it there so much. Take this job and shove it. That was it. I said, take this job and shove it, motherfuckers. And I was gone. Bye. Um, But um, the great thing was, you know, found this great apartment in New York, Long Island City, New York, where Jason, you eventually yes. lived with me. And who, um, who were the first people who lived there? It was you and then your Dennis. friends from grad school, right? Jamie yeah, my and buddy, Dennis. My buddy Jamie and my buddy Dennis. Um, shout out to those guys. And they are uh, um, uh, doing great. And they, they, yeah, they were my first roommates there. And then our friends, Bob and Jeremy, and of course you, Jason, yeah. um, wow. eventually moved in when those yep, yep, fellers yep. moved out. And we had some legendary parties uh, at that <laughs> place. The best. To this day, my, my favorite uh, moment, and I think you, you probably know what it's going to be because we talk about it a lot. At <laughs> one of those legendary parties, it was one of your um, Halloween parties. And and your your parties were always themed. There was mm-hmm. an 80s character. There you was, came uh, as the greatest American hero. I did. And I you did. came as Zach Gallagher. I was from Zach Gallagher. That's right. Yes. With my mogwai. But uh, the best one was, was I think the next year after it was cartoon characters Mm -hmm. and I was Hong Kong Fooey, Jason, you were, who were you? I was the Joker. You were the Joker. that was my go-to. And Dan was Tinkerbell. (laughs) Um, But by the end of the night, Dan, you were so drunk. Oh God. You decided to take off all your clothes and, and your, your girlfriend at the time dragged you into the bedroom. And I remember we were leaving trying to get out of the apartment. Oh, everyone was trying to leave. Yeah. And you, <laughs> no, we, did, we just had to go, but you were in the bedroom and all we hear is your girlfriend at the time going, no, 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 put, uh, 
Dan, Dan, keep your clothes on. Keep your clothes. And you, as we walk by, you're butt naked in bed and you're going, no, it's funny you're naked. It's funny you're naked. It's funny you're naked. <laughs> and I said, and- get Jason. Get Jason in here. Get Jason and Fred. I, they need to see this. Because I still and- had my Tinkerbell wings on, but the rest of me was stark naked. <laughs> and tr- truth be told, you were right. It was funny you're naked. Thank you very but- much. A lesson I- all these movies could learn. <laughs> I forgot to eat. And then the party started. And I remember you had, then, you had like a blimpy sandwich. You had something oh or Subway God. or a blimpy sandwich. Blimpy. That you had, your girlfriend had gotten, you were like, and she was like, make sure to eat. And you're like, you're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to. And then that sandwich was sitting there moldering away during the party. I can remember a soggy sandwich. I was like, oh, oh yeah, he never ate. Great times. Well, great times well, in that well, place. I loved it. I miss it. It was. Fred, where were you? Oh my God. Where was I? Uh, August, 1999. I was coming on, I was living on the Lower East Side Mm -hmm. and this is before the Lower East Side became the place to live. Oh yeah. Um, Uh. I was on Grand and East Broadway and I was coming up on a year with Kate, my, my now bride, my wife. Uh, we were just coming up on a year. I was playing the rock and roll with Zip Thunk, with my first band. We were playing a lot of gigs down there, downtown. Oh, the Lion's Den. The Lion's and all Den. Those great, the Mercury, all those, all those great places yeah, downtown. Yeah, we were think of that. I believe I was just about to start rehearsals to go on the national tour of the Buddy Holly story. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was leaving You were the that. drummer. I was the drummer. I played Jerry Allison. And um, I, got, I got in a bit of trouble. I was actually just talking about this um, with uh, some <laughs> friends from the show. I got in a bit of trouble in that show because uh, I decided it would be fun. It was my, I left the show early. Um, I left after about four or five months. I felt like I gave, I felt like I had nothing left to give. So I thought, this is it. I'm going to know. I don't know why I left actually to come to think of it. I forgot that you did that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go for the whole time. I did it the year before in Minnesota and then we did the national tour and I think I like made enough money to pay off my debts. I'm like, all right, I'm good. And Mm. Oh no, you know what it was? I, I, I got a commercial agent right before I left. And I thought, you know, I'm going to leave because I want to come back and really make a lot of money in commercials. And I got back and we went on strike. <laughs> there, there was nothing. That was one of the reasons. But um, on my last show, everyone was playing. We were in uh, in Iowa, I believe. And I was, <laughs> everyone was playing jokes on me, practical jokes, the whole first act. And they were like changing lines. They put powder on my drum set with someone. I would hit it. Like I'd be <laughs> caught up in this big wafts of smoke. Um, and afterwards the stage manager during intermission was like, all right, guys, you gotta, uh-huh. you know, keep it cool. I did, I did nothing. I was doing nothing. It was everyone <laughs> playing jokes on me and like major stuff. Um, but I thought, and the, the last scene is a big concert and where my character was, I was, uh, I was in the back and I had a long jacket, um, a long, uh, like a tuxedo jacket. And I couldn't really be seen, but I knew my friend Van who played Buddy and a few other people could see me. And I thought it would be hilarious if I took my balls out on stage <laughs> while I was doing that. So, um, As is so your I, want. So I, I, so I did, um, and I did. Not for the audience to see. No, 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 no. And they couldn't. There's no way they could. But the way They're I was so angled, microscopic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, They're, They're so way tiny. too small. Who would see this? Not like no. yours, which I saw in your Tinkerbell outfit. Um, no, and <laughs> I remember telling, and, and I told my friends, Van and Travis, who played the big bopper and buddy respectfully, I was like, guys, just during raining in my heart, just take a peek over at me. Uh, I'm not going to say why, but I'm just, it's a parting gift for you. Um, and somehow someone, 
someone found out about it and told stage management, because there's no way stage management could see it. There's, no one saw it. I don't even ask them afterwards. And they were like, we, we couldn't see anything, but we were laughing anyway, because we had a feeling we knew it was going to be. Um, and I got written up. On my last show, they wrote they, they wrote to, to the Actors' Equity Association, <gasps> which I'm a proud union member of. Um, I don't I don't think she said exactly what I did, but what was um, but then what was great was everyone else in the cast was furious. They were so angry at this stage manager, and they were like, to this day, when I bring it up, they still get angry because like how. I can't believe that. You know, we were playing jokes on you the first act and, and you know, God, they were so angry on your last show. And I, I, it was very heartwarming. I was like, guys, thank you so much for coming to my fans. I mean, I did take my balls out on stage. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but oh, on your last show, she should they, they should have let you go. I'm like, I, yes, but my balls were out on stage. <laughs> Technically, I mean, I'm with you, but I guess I do deserve it. So that's hysterical. Yeah, that was good times. Oh, that was good, good times. times. What oh, were you nice. doing? Were you were you flapping your balls anywhere, Jason? I was, uh, <laughs> I was flapping them here and there, to and fro, yeah. as they say. Uh, what was I doing this summer of '99? I was uh, I was still working. It was my last hurrah at the Jekyll and Hyde Club, <gasps> where I got my equity card. Uh, two years prior or the oh, year prior. I always forget you worked at Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I love the Jekyll and Hyde Club. And I uh, and at some point, you know, when we do, a, if we're in a 1997 or 98 weekend, I'll talk <laughs> about it some more. But because this was the tail end of that time, because when I had first gotten there, it was a very fun place to work. It's a theme restaurant in uh, midtown Manhattan. It's not there anymore, but it has a whole kind of horror gothic theme. And, uh, and the fun thing about it was, you know, the actors who worked there, it wasn't like, a normal theme restaurant gig where you're um, I, we didn't have to serve food or bus tables or anything like that. We were just hired okay. to be, we were just actors. And in <laughs> fact, they were in arbitration for a couple of years with equity so that it would be technically an equity contract and we would get health insurance weeks. So that. that was, that was the whole deal. So by this point, the place, what used to be a really fun kind of crazy off the wall place to work got very um, structured and, uh, homogenized in a, in a, because basically it had been pretty successful in New York and some investors came along and wanted to make it like a franchise around the country and around the world. The man and it was took all over. Texas wow. businessmen who came in and they, and they wanted to make it very Disney. They wanted to make it like uh, they wanted not only to model it on Disney in terms of expansion, but they wanted it to be very family friendly to the point that it really kind of defanged everything. And so, yeah, so this it was, was kind like of scary not, in a way, you know, it was both fun. scary and it was uh, but it, but really irreverent. I mean, really, like the <laughs> stuff you could get away with, the stuff you could say on the microphones. And I mean, like the comedy was kind of I mean. That was, a, that was a place you could take your balls word. out. Yeah, you, well, no, but <laughs> but but about as close. I mean, but just like weird stuff. Like there was one Christmas Eve that I was working there, and I I had this one mad scientist character who I basically did an Al Pacino impression for. It was it was very nutty, Professor, because uh, it was it was this goofy character called Brewster Device, and he had this weird lab coat and a bow tie and a, like uh, goggles, like you know, like, I mean, just stupid like Fred McMurray flubbery shit. And uh, the costume was bad, but you could make the character whatever you wanted. So I decided he was going to be a split personality. Like when he would drink a potion, he would get very nutty, Professor. He would go from like a nerd to like a cool guy. So the nerdy guy was kind of. He was a little like, 
slow-witted, shall we say. uh, (laughs) He was a little on the dimmer side, and, you know, he was a sweet guy, and, you know, very, very uh, Lenny of Mice and Men. And then he would drink a potion, and it was, oh, come on, everybody, it's a party. And so he became very Pacino. And he was, and he would like, you know, and he would flirt mercilessly with women. You know, I mean, it was just constantly hitting on people. And and then there was one, (laughs) it was for Christmas, it was like for some reason the Pacino side of the character was was like hey, it's Jesus's birthday tomorrow. Let's let's all let's all pretend to be Jesus. And I walked around. Oh, I was no. like I was like I was like let me wash your feet, lady. Let me oh wash your God. feet. And I literally washed a woman's feet. Like I was like get those shoes off. And I went and I got like a bowl from like back from the, one of the bus boys and got like water. And I'm like watch. I was like who else wants their feet washed? I'm Jesus. It was. <laughs> And very, you know, questionable and the Texas, taste. The Texas Disney guys didn't like that? They didn't love that. They <laughs> didn't they love have, it. Why did they have a problem with that? They had oh a problem my. with everything. Oh, now, my God. Did, were there, I always wondered, I mean, I guess when you go to a place like that, because I remember going to the one downtown. Yeah. And, you know, it was always a blast, but you go, so you sort of know what you're getting, you know? Where, did you ever have people that were just like, Jesus, I just want to eat my fucking burger. Uh, sure. Leave me alone. Yes. Like, do people get it? We're yeah, like, Jesus, sure. what are but you, you doing? Could, but you could like, but you could self-monitor. It wasn't like, go to that table for five minutes, then cycle around. I mean, there was a prescribed yeah. schedule of like, now you're working the door and greeting people. And now you're up in the, uh, the control room operating the puppets. Like we had that kind of a schedule. But when you were out on the floor, you know, you would just do what you want. Like if you found tables that were interesting, the problem was usually that people, more people wanted your time and attention than you were like spreading yourself out to like, make sure everybody got some fun was like got a little the, piece of like, rooster, got a little piece of whatever. And Ravenswood, the Butler, the, the Cockney <laughs> Butler that I played, that was another, my other character. And he had a tuxedo that I said, I asked for a tuxedo to like a Butler's outfit. That was like two sizes too big for me. I said, <laughs> give me a big one. And then I would like, I would like tie the pants up with a rope and stuff. Like I wanted to make him like really disgusting. And every two weeks they would send the costumes out for dry cleaning. I didn't send that costume out for a year. I like kept it. I hid it away. I would get ketchup and mustard. I just made made him disgusting. I made him really disgusting. You were the Daniel Um, Day Lewis of uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Well, you know, I had fun. I had fun. I had fun. (laughs) Interactive uh, dinner. Every once in a while, somebody was like, I just want to eat my chicken sandwich. And you're like, that's fine. More power to you. The Ren Faire was the same thing. Like people would be like, I just want my, I'm just, I'm just having my turkey leg. Please leave us alone. (laughs) Exactly. The thing that happened that summer, which I think would be a, 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 uh, an interesting segue into our first movie is uh, I met, I had already known Jeremy Vaney, who Dan and I lived with for a the long, great long time. Jeremy Vaney, great Jeremy Vaney, dear himself. friend of ours, great podcaster, great writer, very funny guy, wonderful guy. And he introduced me to one of our very dear friends, Bob Larkin, this mm-hmm. summer in 1999. Another great dear friend of ours, great actor. And the reason I met him is because we did. Jeremy was doing filming uh, a short film that he had written called Stuck. And it was this, you know, 10, I think it turned out to be a 10 or 15 minute film about a superhero and supervillain who are basically are, are, are kind of retired. It's very incredible Z or, or, <laughs> or in a way, I mean, not quite mystery men like, but I mean, it is comedy <laughs> about these two, this former superhero and former supervillain who are both temping at the same office in Midtown Manhattan. And the conceit I think was that my character 
had been a woman and had had a sex change. So the superhero didn't realize. So Bob was the superhero. I was the villain. And he just thought I was this annoying coworker guy showing him the ropes at this office. And then he realized something tipped him off that I was his former arch nemesis and very, very ridiculous little movie. But it was, we had a, That's a cool. lot does of fun. It, does it exist anywhere? Can we I, watch it? it? My, you know, I don't think it's online. I wonder if Jeremy ever put it online. We'll have to find out. It was fun. Awesome. I think it turned out really well. So you guys yeah. were the original mystery men. <gasps> We kind of, I mean, you know, it was, it, it had that, it had that air about it. Shall we jump into it? Let's, Let's fly. Let's, Let's fly. Let's <laughs> Mystery men. They've been waiting for this moment. The city's in peril, Lucille. <gasps> All of their lives. Butch needs his vest back. Well, it's my vest too. I bought it for him. But now that their time has come. I'm a superhero too. What's his power? <laughs> They're going to need all the help they can get. You gotta find a lot of superheroes really quickly. State your name and power. PMS Avenger. I only work four days a month. Is there a problem with that? No. No. I am the Waffler. Waffle Man! Am I too late to try out? Sorry. <laughs> You're in. Champion City already has a superhero, the appropriately monikered Captain Amazing, played by Greg Kinnear. But that doesn't deter several quirky amateur crime fighters, including Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, Paul Rubens, Hank Azaria, and Janine Garofalo, who use Amazing's capture at the hands of Jeffrey Rush's villainous Casanova Frankenstein as motivation to prove themselves. The only problem is that their quote-unquote superpowers, including silverware hurling, bowling and shoveling skills, and intense flagellants, aren't doing them any favors. The film, based on Bob Burden's Dark Horse comic series, is the sole directing credit of Kinka Usher, whose pre-Mystery Men career consisted only of television commercials, including his award-winning Got Milk and Taco Bell Chihuahua campaigns. In the end, Mystery Men made only $10 million over its opening weekend, on its way to a worldwide haul of less than half of its $68 million budget. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Mystery Men? Hated it. Me hated it too. Oh, all right. Well, we'll see you next week, guys. All right. Good night, everybody. Take <laughs> well, care. Fred, what did you think? <laughs> what a slog. Ugh. Um, it, uh, if, you say, you know, if you say hated it, we can really just move right on to the Thomas <laughs> Crown. No, I, I didn't <laughs> hate it, actually. I didn't. I was very. Uh, now was, we have to talk. <laughs> we have to discuss. It was, well, it, it was a very interesting movie to me. It was because it was so. There was so much potential and there were certain yes. things that I really liked. And I did laugh. I actually watched it with my kids. I didn't see it when it first came out, um, which was surprising to me because I was a really big Ben Stiller fan. And mm, I loved him from his too. from his TV series the, on uh, on Fox and then on, on MTV before that. Mm -hmm. um, and there were certain things that I really liked about it and I found very funny. But Like what? <laughs> I, I actually, I, I thought... Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, Paul I should Rubens. say, was uh, was very. At first, I was like, eh, and then agreed. He consistently, he consistently made me laugh. The yeah. screen, he consistently made me yeah, laugh. It should there have been a, a movie all about that character. There was a there was a <laughs> lot of stuff. There was some funny stuff. Um, you know, it's it's very telling that this was this guy's only movie because it yes. was directed <laughs> so strangely. It was like it was uh, so, it was it was all fisheye lenses it was all, and constantly yeah. at and the beginning. It, I was when like, when what first, are you doing? When it first started, <laughs> I thought, okay, this first scene in the old age home, there was something almost 
like Gilliam-esque about it, the way he was trying to shoot it. There was something like Brazil and and almost, it reminded mm. me a little bit of Super Mario Brothers. It, Just, remi- it reminded yeah. me a lot of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that design and, and it was... It, I, I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is quirky. This is weird. But even my daughter said it. She's like, what's with all the close-ups? And wow. it was real. Like there was that scene in the limo where Greg Kinnear's talking to Ricky Jay and it was just all in Ricky Jay's face. And I'm just thinking, and it wasn't even. And with William H. Macy and his with, with wife. All, of all, them, these, yeah. all these scenes, especially in the first third of the movie, Absolutely. everything was like, it was like he shot it in sequence and about a third of the way through, he realized, oh, I could pull this camera back slightly. It I mean, was it was so all strange. for like 25 minutes. Yeah, that was really, really weird to me. Um, but. I was still enjoying it. The, the last half of the movie was atrocious to me. I mean, it just <laughs> fell. Uh, it, it was like a bad student film. In the mm-hmm. beginning, I was sort of there. And look, I thought for the most part, all the performances are good. Um, mm. I, I question Hank Azaria a I little bit. I didn't care for him. I no, was like, boy, I, I, he really was such a brilliant guy. Such a funny guy. There's at no least he's stylistically there. trying to sell Something. I mean, he's I mean, I, he's making a big, broad choice. So is Paul Rubens. I think they're the only two who survived this thing. It all started when I was just 13 years of age. One day, while walking with some friends, I accidentally cut the cheese. Well, in my adolescent awkwardness, I blamed it on an old gypsy woman who happened to be passing by. Big mistake! The gypsy woman placed a curse upon my head because I'd smelt it. She decreed, I would forevermore be he who does it. I didn't. I didn't know this comic, what it was based on, and it was. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't even called Mystery Men. It was called something else. Flaming uh, Carrot. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? And there's a character called Flaming Carrot. I think it's a character. I think it is. Yeah. And like, I, and whose head? It's like a guy in like khakis and a, a you know button-down shirt, and he's got a giant. He's a giant flaming carrot. carrot. But that's the name that's, of the comic. That's that, where it yeah. started. Yeah, at there was least, a comic there, the, and then and then I think could not it, get Carrot Top to play that and bring him in. Lord it spun mercy. off into like the mystery. It was too men. big. <laughs> too big at this time. Yeah, they couldn't was, afford all the prop. Bring in all the prop. <laughs> it, 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 I was. I'm very conflicted about it. Like, do I ever need to see it again? No, I won't see it again. But there, there were things. I remember thinking at the time, wow, this is this was a little ahead of its time in in certain ways. I mean, especially because this What's came it before. Spoofing. What is it spoofing? Well, I'll tell you this. It. it Kate and I, Kate watched like 20 minutes of it. And then she was like, I, I'm sorry, I got to leave you. I can't watch any more of this. I was like, I, I hear you. I have to suffer. You don't. But we were both like, well, this is a vibe that's not dissimilar to The Incredibles, which came after this and was probably going into production after this movie had just come out or right around the time. Not that I think The Incredibles stole anything from this, or if it did, it certainly improved upon it. But it, there is like something about, you know, kind of, alternate versions of kind of superheroes that we know that, you know, like the Captain Amazing, the Greg Kinnear character is very clearly Superman. And it's it's that it's that constant question of if you have Superman, why do you need the rest of the Justice League? Captain Amazing, what a surprise. Really? I'm not so sure about that. Your first night of freedom and you blow up the asylum. Interesting choice. I knew you couldn't change. I knew you'd know that. Oh, I know that. And I knew you'd know I'd know you knew. But I didn't. I only knew that you'd know that I knew. Did you know that? Of course. It's 
it's it's taken this idea of the superheroes who are now getting sponsorships um and, yeah, that's and fun. promotional and and so I thought okay this is and it was about you know regular people who want to be superheroes that that was the question none of them were any of them really who who had superpowers other than Greg Kinnear there was Invisible no way to, boy yeah, but which not was, really. Well, there was the one shot where he does actually you know, he turn does. invisible. He does, which yeah. Is, the power is exactly as how he, uh, yeah, it's exactly as, as that, how he described it. That yeah, was another yeah. part that I laughed. I actually thought, like there were moments I thought his scene where he was explaining his superpower, you know, he's like, well, I have to be alone and no one can be looking at me. But he was so sincere. I thought he played it great. I thought it was that's very, very funny. That's Kel, I believe, from yeah, Keenan yeah, and yeah, Kel. Keenan right? and yeah, yeah, it's Kel Mitchell. Yeah, I thought he did a very good show on Saturdays and Sundays called Forever Friends. If you've ever seen it, it's very good. No. Yeah, it all, it started well. I really- <laughs> That's no, another crickets I. moment right there. I, I, li- <laughs> I, I liked the relationship with Bill Macy and his wife until it got ridiculous. And she was like, well, I'm leaving you. In the beginning, I thought it was, I, I enjoyed them together. Uh, I thought it was nice that, uh, I don't know. It, it, I, I, the I, only I, things that worked no. for me, I did laugh out loud sometimes. I made a note even. I said, I said for me, as much as I disliked it and as, as kind of uh, just garish and annoying as the whole thing is, I did laugh out loud a number of times. I, I guess I have to recommend it over some of the other things I've disliked heartily on this show, like Baby's Day Out, which I never laughed yeah, at. Uh, no, you know, I laughed a lot. Super Mario Brothers, which I completely, although this is very Super Mario Brothers in that I found it utterly incomprehensible. I was like, what was happening? I don't know. First of all, Jeffrey Rush, who I love in so many things. I was he's like, what are you this. doing in this? He's bad. What the fuck was it? The end I don't the know pinky. What his, I don't know what his power was. What was his evil power? What was his plot? What was his plan? I don't know what his power was. I don't know was. what his point of yeah. view was. Yeah. It's really quite cool. I thought I was like, that's a great name. It reminded me of there's a the name is, favorite, it is a great name. It's very great. One of my favorite um, comic book writers now is Jeff Lemire. I don't know if it's Jeff Lemire, Lemire. I don't know how any of these guys' last names are pronounced, but he has it's a great Mazer. series. <laughs> Richard Mazer. That's it. Thank you. But he's got a great series out now called Black Hammer, which is very similar. Again, it's about what happens when superheroes just become regular people without powers. But there's a character named Sherlock Frankenstein, which I wonder if he oh. got sort of. <laughs> Um, but I just saw from Casanova the beginning, I was like, I was like what a great name. I loved his introduction. And then I just thought, yeah, the same thing. And, and the best joke about him is when Greg Kinnear says the name in the back of the room. And he's like, that is a great name. Once they got to like the Legion of supervillains at the end, mm. that was, that was just dreadful. <laughs> I felt like they were trying to do. Now, Austin Powers came out before this, right? There you go. Now you're talking. This is yep. what I was thinking the whole time. I was like yep. this, that's the way this is, you know, this is what this movie should have wanted to be. Yep. Well, I wrote, I wrote down, I said, Austin Powers meets The Incredibles is what it yep. seemed like to me at the, by the end. Yeah, because it was also very like disco era. Everything was, um, yep. they were like the fembots, the the women that yep. they, yeah. they fought. Yep. It was yep. all very But Austin it was half-assed, like the whole Eddie Izzard, like the disco brothers. I was like, oh, that's great. But what exactly. is that? I was such like, good a great idea. Performer. What are they doing? They're not really doing it. It's such a, like a half. Even my kids were like, well, that doesn't look very disco. They did sort of like a half-ass John Travolta thing. No, they didn't, I, have, they didn't have any powers, any purpose. I didn't know what they were. They didn't seem particularly comic booky. They nope. weren't super in any way. It was a very weird, weird movie. I, and I also I think felt it that doesn't way about help every character in this thing. I, <laughs> I felt I, the way I you just described. It. I was well, like, I don't, I don't know. None of the superheroes uh, were than, interesting. 
the cat, other their than Paul Rubens, run. other than the Paul Rubens character, that was the uh, one and I, only moment that I laughed the loudest was when know. he knocks everybody out in the diner. I was yeah, like, okay, he's, funny. he's clearly the most powerful of them. He I has agree. the power to knock people out with his passing gas. That's an actual useful yeah. power, and it's hilarious. I thought Ben Stiller was funny because I love Ben Stiller, and as I, I he was great when I. But you know why he was great? Because he literally just wrote his own lines. Any of those fun observations he makes about like when they're training with the that mysterious Sphinx character, and they're like, "Oh, I hated oh, that you're part." Just gonna, I thought that was really, really annoying. But there's Ugh. parts where Ben Stiller calls him out on the oh, mumbo yeah. jumbo and that kind of stuff, and I was like, "That's very funny." That sounds like it was written by or for Ben Stiller after the fact. To summon your power for the conflict to come, you must first have power over that which conflicts you. Okay, am I the only one who finds these sayings just a little bit formulaic? If you want to push something down, you have to pull it up. If you want to go left, you have to go right. It's Your temper is very quick, my friend. But until you learn to master your rage... Your rage will become your master? This is poor writing. I, I think pretty poor casting across the board. William H. Macy Very does not belong place. in this movie. Yeah. He's in another movie. Yeah, you're right. But I, I mean, like from, the from idea else. of it. See, I like the idea of these. You, just but you can't have a movie on the strength of a good idea. I think it's a good idea, too. And I and as you said before, I think it is ahead of its time in a way. It's sort of the pre-X-Men. If this were after X-Men, they'd know a little more what the hell they were doing, I think. Well, here's the, I think the problem is it, it, here's where it's behind its time is that it <laughs> is or or very much of its moment. I think this whole thing with the world building and the like the the fantasy city that looks like a fusion of D- Tim Burton's Batman and and Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy. I don't like these comic book cities that they make up for, especially for something like this. I think it would have been Doesn't much more work. effective if they were just dropped in the real if, 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 the, if the template was Richard Donner's Superman, where it's. Here's the superhero. Here's the guy in a cape flying around, but it's New York City. And and you can buy that and say, like, there is one super powered guy in town. And then the man on the street wants to be him, wants yeah. to emulate that. I think I think the fact that they said it in such a fantastical world really, really made it feel very lopsided and nonsensical right. and because that, why aren't there more powerful characters in this That's world? what I was confused. That's what I was saying before. That's what I was confused because to me, it seemed like they were like, I actually really... I, I really enjoyed Ben Stiller in this. And my favorite moment was when he has like his sort of his tantrum on top of the car where just like the mm-hmm. fear, cause that was his thing, Mr. Fury. And to me, that's like what Ben Stiller does best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I laughed a lot. I thought it was very funny. And I thought it was very sad too, that here was a guy who wants so badly to have a power and to be filled with fury and to be a superhero, but he's just a regular schlub. And there, there were people with actual powers. And then there are other people who just, want to help out and want to be more than, you know, and I think that's sort of what they were going with, but it just didn't, it didn't materialize. So it's the seed of a good idea that just never comes to fruition. That's what I kept thinking. It's like that, um, that subplot in the dark Knight, where it's like, there's all these Batman imitators, like just guys who like put on hockey pads and stuff Mm. and they go out and they try to, not that Batman has any powers. He doesn't, but he's got all this money and equipment and technology. And these guys are like, well, I just can, I can put on a mask and I can be a vigilante. I can be a neighborhood watch, a guardian angel kind of thing. And that, you know, and then that goes very poorly for some of them in that movie. So you think Batman's made Gotham a better place? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look at me. Look at me! 
it's very interesting as a, as an idea. Um, or the other mm-hmm. side of that is you show, you have a, a fantastical Dick Tracy slash Gotham town where there are really super powered people. And then there were less, then there were people who still have these powers like Hank Azaria maybe really is great at throwing things, but he can only throw utensils. You know, then you have these people who aren't, Maybe they don't, their, their, their powers aren't as exciting or fantastical as some of the, the big superheroes. They're like the lower, you know, they're like the, the, the C-level heroes. What you're uh, describing is I think like what that. this movie tr- thinks it is, is what you're yes, describing. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I think but it had not, a great that's idea. That's not what it is. No, it, it never gets there. It never no. gets there. And the, and the movie, the biggest sin I think of the, this, about this movie, and I kept thinking this as I was watching it, is that this movie substitutes clever for funny over and over and over mm-hmm. again. It keeps trying to be clever. It occasionally is, but that's not a substitute for funny. I like I, the I, idea of a character whose dad's head is and spirit are inside <laughs> of a bowling ball. That's a yeah. neat, clever idea. Well, because you love anything bowling. They do well, exactly. <laughs> that made and you think of that, that that brought you back. It brought me back and and I, I that like brought you that. back to episode 10. <laughs> All the way back. To All the way 10. back to episode 10. Oh, my. But well, that's a clever idea. keep on coming. They don't do anything funny with that idea. It's no. just an idea that they go, here you go. It's like a, you know, it, it, it's, it's again, clever versus funny. And I mean, funny, it's what it should have been. By the end, I didn't see where... I was just like, well, what's the point? They they all just seemed so defeated and annoyed at the end. And I said, well, what did they learn? Did they learn anything? Um, <laughs> but you know what? That's also tonally, that's built into the DNA of the movie because I read something that said this was the the rah-rah stand up and cheer version of what they had originally written or filmed. Like it was supposed really? to be much more of an even more, you said like it felt like a weird <sighs> kind of letdown of an ending. They kind of wanted it to be, more like that, more of a which maybe maybe it would have worked. Let, like maybe really let went, the air out of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know because there is that with the Greg Kinnear character when Greg Kinnear, you know, I, that was I, I was shocked when he that got was the big surprise when he's dissolved or whatever happened. I was yeah, like, oh, shit. That. horrifically, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just thought, oh <laughs> wow, I thought there was going to be much more there, but like it was, it almost made me think. It, so that, what's the point of the character in, in a weird way? But I sort of liked it. I said, oh, you're turning it. You're turning everything on it because you expect him to make it out or do something. The thing is, that should have happened at the very beginning of the movie. Yes. Much like like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, where like that version of Spider-Man dies at the beginning. And then you're like, how do you solve this problem? That there's no more Superman. There's no more Spider-Man. Yes, you, exactly. Thank you. I couldn't figure out why it bothered me so much. Because the whole time I'm also like- but I'm like, but if he's the most powerful guy in the, he's, he's really, he'd be tied up for that long. He's not doing anything. And right. you're absolutely right. Yep. Um, I think you have to like get rid of, you have to take the, per, the savior off the table early for all of these characters. Be, be like, what do we do now in a world without blah? But you know, that's not how it, it's not how it panned out. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, look, any movie with Smash Mouth in it. You know, like three times, right? Yeah. I was like, this this says 1999 more than <laughs> Oh, God. Anything. Yeah, yeah. God. That's definitely of its time. It really but is. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I, I, I went in not expecting anything when it started. I thought, oh, wait a minute. I, I'm sort of digging this, even though there's a, a lot of fucking close-ups. 
I don't need to be that into Ricky Jay's face. And then it just, and then it just really, and I, I laughed sporadically and we enjoyed, but it just, oh God, it just fell apart. I had really, never it was, heard, I remember seeing the trailer, the trailer, trailer is good for this. It's a mix of failure and trailer. Um, of the trailer. <laughs> and and This whole thing is a trailer. Um, no, the trailer for this, I saw a million times that summer. And I remember thinking, I was like, I wonder why I didn't see that. I bet it's funny. Like, I, I I always thought it must be good. It's got all these great people in it. It's a superhero spoof. I thought, I don't know why I didn't go see this, of all people, why that I didn't surprising. see it. And, but I never, it wasn't that I heard it was bad or anything. It was just, I think I thought, it didn't look great. It didn't look great. We got but pretty I was roundly like, panned. I don't even remember that though. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. remember that. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're right, but it's not even like I had a sense of like, oh, stay away from this because this is stink. I think maybe there was just maybe too much other decent stuff to go see or whatever. I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it seems like everyone's having fun and everyone was game to do it and they mm-hmm. jumped onto it. So it must've seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, <laughs> Whenever you watch one was- of these movies and you think, and you look at a, a shot of like several of them together and you think, did they feel really stupid? Like that, I, yeah, I thought that I a wonder. lot. I was like, they, they had to be standing there thinking, this is stupid. And that's not a good sign when you're watching a movie and thinking that you're like, oh boy. Mm. I just wonder, I wonder what they, if they just said, okay, go, what's the director's name again? Uh, Kinky Boots, what? (laughs) Kinka Usher. Kinka Usher. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I I don't know. I mean, I just, it it was, I mean, it was really, also very much like Super Mario, but like that, that was like, again, they like took people who had done mostly commercials and things like that and, yeah. and, and vi- had never done a movie. And they were like, you have, there's something visionary about you. So we're going to give you this movie because they think of it only as a visual right. piece, as opposed to a story. You know what I mean? So they're not thinking. And it, some it, people do do really well with that. I mean, it was funny. I've just, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, bring up a sore subject between the three of us, but Jason was kind enough to get me a great Blade Runner book about Blade Runner um, that I've been reading. Cause <laughs> I, I'm going to say it again. I love Recently? the movie. For yeah, for my birthday. birthday. It was yeah. my birthday, Dan. Thank you. You didn't, you didn't, it's okay. You didn't get me anything. It's fine. Listen, no, <laughs> your gift is, your gift is coming. Okay. Your, it's coming later in your this Your present podcast. is Dan's presence. It is. It really is. No. So Dan, so I was reading, the, but, and, and, and. Um, you get me anything? Re- it's not your for birthday, my birthday? For Fred's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> he got you a book on Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't like it. Terrible um, gift. No, but, but Ridley Scott started on commercials as well. And what's interesting, he actually made a very interesting point that you may or may not agree with, but he said, you know, the thing about commercials is you have to, with the commercial, you have to get a hook. You have to mm-hmm. hook the consumer in right away. Um, and it, it, it just go. and look, there are many, Spike Jones. Spike Jones started out as a video and commercial director. So there are a lot of directors who can make that leap. Yeah. And good, who? Mick G? Mick G. Sure. Yeah. I'll give you Mick G. I like Charlie's Angels. Yeah, he makes a I good like movie. Is that what Mick G directed? The, the original Charlie's Angels. And also, who Cameron is Mick G? I just know the name. <laughs> I remember the Mick DLT. That I remember. <laughs> Keep the hot side hot, the cool side cool. You get a hot side hot. You get a cool side cool. New Mick D. LT. New Mick D. LT. Listen. So we've hit on it. This movie is trying to sell something. 
a product we don't want. <laughs> I keep waiting for you to just segue already. I'm let's like, go on, just a, let's go about, on a trip here's, somewhere. Here's, let's go here's on my a seg- fancy here's my segue. Trip. Can yeah. we talk about Rene Russo's boobs? Oh, for God's Oh, sakes. well, that's well, why didn't you say so? <laughs> the Thomas Crown <laughs> Affair. This painting is worth a hundred million bucks. They shut off the air to drive out the tourists. Then they close the gates to keep everybody out. Diversion. Make a lot of noise over there. So over here in this room, you can take a hundred million off the wall and waltz right out the front door. Oh, yes. Do we know each other? Not yet. I'm Catherine Banning. And whose head are you after? Yours. You're enjoying something. A worthy adversary? An entertainment. Do you really think I'm going to sleep with the man I'm investigating? Hmm? <laughs> Almost get your man? Mm-hmm. Think you'll get me? Oh, I hope so. In this remake of the 1968 film starring Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway, bored billionaire Thomas Crown, played by Pierce Brosnan, decides to entertain himself by stealing a Monet from the Metropolitan Museum of Art. When insurance investigator Catherine Banning, played by Rene Russo, takes an interest in Crown both as a suspect and a romantic prospect, a complex game of cat and mouse ensues, complete with plenty of what Fred's daughter would call disgusting booby scenes. In an attempt to find out where Banning's loyalties lie, Crown returns the painting and essentially turns himself in, hoping that Banning's feelings for him will lead to an escape. The film, directed by diehards John McTiernan and co-starring stand-up comic turned reliably weary on-screen law enforcement presence Dennis Leary, made $14.6 million over its opening weekend en route to $69.3 million in North America and $124.3 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Disgusting Booby Movie, a.k.a. The Thomas Crown Affair? Hated it. I did not like it either. Oh, God. But I liked it. But I saw it. it. I saw it back in 99 or 2000 on video. I remember watching it and Mm -hmm. thinking it was good. And now I watched it again and I did not like it. Interesting. (sighs) I had the same experience. I didn't hate it. I want to first say this. I, I want to disagree with my daughter on this. Maybe I should have, you know what? If boobs we are not disgusting. Uh, yeah. There were and way we, too many of them though. It was almost like the, it, you know, they, I don't know how they tricked you. her. How they tricked her. <laughs> <Says into>. you. <laughs> Even Halle Berry was like enough, sweetheart. Like, just <laughs> put them away for five seconds. <laughs> there, there were a <laughs> lot. Like, there were a lot. Yeah. You know, no, you my take away her was... shoes and she wouldn't be able to walk into a Seven Eleven the whole movie. I mean, <laughs> she just, no service uh, with the amount of no shirt going on there. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. It no, took me a please. second. I was like, wait, no shoes. No shirt oh, please, please go ahead. You disagree with your daughter. I disagree with my daughter on that. I didn't find her boobs disgusting. I think she's just at the age where she doesn't like to see that. And I understand. And I don't think my daughter <laughs> thinks boobs are disgusting either. She's very proud to be a young woman. Um, but uh, I, I would, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Rene Russo, uh, boobs or otherwise. Um, but I, I we'll, we'll, we'll have my daughter on as a guest another time to discuss that. Anyway, she's sleeping now. It's too late. But to your point, Jason, yes, I saw it. Uh, we saw it, I think on tape, you know, on videotape or when it came to cable yeah. shortly after. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I, I love the music, which I still really enjoyed. I really like the music. That's uh, sort of like a 
great Latin jazz feel to it, um, especially at the end, like that that final scene with the bowlers. Um, by Bill Conti. By Bill Conti, yeah, that's the right. Music for Rocky, yeah. who took my mother on a date and got fresh with her, so she <gasps> slapped him. Good Are for you her. kidding me? Good yeah, for her. I am her. not kidding you. One thing you say about the music, I remember distinctly, I wrote a note about at the beginning, I think mm-hmm. when they're first, during the first heist or- Yep, I know what you're uh, going to say. There's something that's like, like tap dancing on the yeah. soundtrack. Yep. There's like this mm-hmm. clickety, clickety, mm-hmm. clickety. Yeah. It's fantastic. It was a really, it. it was a really interesting thing. And yeah, I, I liked also it. liked too, I liked how that was juxtaposed. Every time you saw Thomas Crown, it was that music. Mm-hmm. It was very, there was, there was, um. I don't know, something more sophisticated about it. Yes. And then when it went to the guys actually doing the heist, it almost went to this sort of bad eighties yes. Euro yes. music. Yes. Uh, and I, and I, which I didn't remember. I'm like, Oh, that music's cheesy, but then it would jump back. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't yeah. know if that was on so purpose. So you feel but, like it's on. Yeah. Yeah. It but yeah, like I, I, I agree with you, Jason. I, I liked it when I first saw it. I was, I enjoyed parts of it. I kept thinking, what are the stakes? And why do we care? Right. You know, mm-hmm. this guy is uh, is a gabillion. Like, why should I feel sorry for this guy? Yeah. Uh, because he, he he goes to see Faye Dunaway to to talk about his problems, you know, Ugh. for therapy. Um, and I, I he's a rich God. asshole. Yeah. I, I think I think in this era of like the one percent, you know, like our feelings about the the one percent, like how maybe that's what it I is. I think there's something different now in watching like uber rich people just playing around and stealing things and doing what they want and covering their ass and no consequences. I think right. that, I think that kind of uh, needles more than maybe and it did at a time when it's like, Oh, this is jet setting fun. I don't know. Yeah. And there is something very, you know, he talks about that. It's, it's more about the, it's not about the money. It's about the chase. Um, and I, I guess there's something, there's something, my, my guess is there's something exciting to live vicariously through people like that. Hmm. You know, and, that's what and this th- movie's trying to do. You've hit the that's nail on the head. That's what it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's the middle third of this might as well have been a travel channel show. Nothing happens except they go on an extended vacation. Yeah. Nothing happens in the plot. And I guess it, it I, I, I watched this it. with my wife. We watched it together and she was like, when's the last time in this movie something happened of consequence? You just watch them go on vacation for the middle third of the movie. And it's it's head scratchingly. It's trying to evoke a style in in the music as well, in the mm. visual style, in the storytelling from another era. Yeah. And that is a huge, hugely problematic to through the modern lens. I can't imagine it wasn't problematic then as well, because you're exactly right. Yeah, what am I supposed to ago. care about? Most yeah. of the heavy lifting in this movie is being done by Rene Russo's eyeshadow. She's doing a lot of <laughs> eyeshadow in this. It's doing most of the acting. And I think most of the budget went to oh, her God. eyeshadow. But I liked, I liked her, you know, when the, if, I liked the characters first introduced, there was something about her. She seemed constantly hung over. Um, there it's was, a good you know, character. The, the seed of that character is good. And she's, you know, again, I, I have to go back to casting in this, you know, this should have absolutely been Clooney. I don't like Pierce Brosnan. He's great as Remington Steele. He's not a good Bond, <laughs> you know. He's not I've a never good, seen one of his James Bond movies. You don't. You're not it? missing never anything. From from me, my James, who's who am I going to say is the best James Bond? Knowing what my, you know about me, Roger Moore. Correct. That's my because you know what you know why that was our that was our you know because that was our Bond. That's who we we say that to. I say that to people that are older and they're like, no, Sean Connery. 
I didn't grow up watching Sean Connery. I know. I didn't. I didn't as have good, a, a Doctor No birthday party. I had an octopusy <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> Roger Moore is having fun. That's why he's the best James Bond because yeah, he's having so. fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same reason I don't like Christian Bale. You know, as Batman. And I know you guys disagree with me with that. But in this movie, Pierce Brosnan, who also executive produced this, so this yes. is clearly an ego project for him. You know, look at who played it in the sixties. Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Yeah. McQueen, yeah. You want to you want to pick the person who's the opposite of Steve McQueen? Remington goddamn steel. <laughs> Steve McQueen's a tough guy I, from Bullet who will kick your ass looking at you. Right, but they switched it. But they, they that, and that's why they made it different because in that one it's he a would huge like mistake. Rob, he would rob banks. In this one, it was more sophisticated stuff. He was stealing art. I, I'll tell you, I, I think the opening and close, I think the heist. And then putting the painting two back. Best parts I think of the movie. Two best parts. Yes, Great. absolutely. The movie could be a half hour long and be those two sequences back to back. It'd be like, this happened. And then on Thursday, this happened. And he put yeah. it back. And that, I'd be like, that's fantastic. <laughs> those two, it's very like, oh, and that's how I sold it to my kids when we Ocean's were watching 11. them. I said, because they love Ocean's Eleven. I yeah. said, it's very Ocean's Eleven like that. Yep. Yeah. And it is in those, in, in the beginning and the end. Yeah, I like that. It's almost like Heat in a way. You know, it's like De Niro and Pacino getting together in mm-hmm. Heat. I yeah. And, you know, there's like an att- attraction. They respect each other. But it's that idea is that she's going to keep coming because she's a bounty hunter and she's got to get that money. And he wants to keep playing the game. But how they come together. And I mean, I think that's the idea is that these two people who are very much alone and now they're coming together. I don't know if that was explored as much as it could be. But again, I just keep I just kept thinking, well, what are the stakes to me? The, the, the one who had the highest stakes was Dennis Leary's character, um, just in, in the sense of where he was in the echelon of things. Yeah. And and. I actually, I really liked him in this. I thought it was I liked fantastic. him in this too because he clearly has feelings for her and the jealousy thing and wants the yeah. best for her. And that's a, there's a complexity and depth to that. And, character. I, and I love Kate loved f- him too. I, I'm not. He's. I'm never crazy about him. I never really. <laughs> I, I, he, he doesn't do it for me. But uh, I like it when he is when he's, the best in this. Yeah, and I loved at the end when he was basically. Um, what did he say? He was like, well, basically, he didn't give a shit. You know, when he said, I wrote it down, uh, final speech. He's like, if some Houdini stealing some painting only done, you know, only dumb rich people care about. Like, yeah, but here, here's whatever. my problem with it. And and Kate and I were talking about this is the same thing. It's, it's, it's not a victimless crime. It is art. It is a piece of art for the public in a, in a, in a museum that is free to the whole world to come see. So I, I didn't like that part of it where it's like, oh, it's only rich people stealing from rich people. Yeah. It's, it is an original piece of artwork that you will you know what I mean? Yeah, like but, his, but his thing was—I don't think that's not, the message of the movie. Though. That wasn't the mess. I think his idea was like—I don't think it's the message of the it, movie either. But I, I, end, I, I think this idea that it's a victimless crime and 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 Pierce Brosnan well, is point, just adorable. Fuck that. No, I think his no. His <laughs> point was prick. his point was no. I think his point is what we were saying. Like, I don't give a shit about rich pricks like him stealing art and putting it back. I had to deal with a kid getting his ass kicked by his dad. I did, you know, there's, there's real world. Pr- right. Sure. He was sure. saying almost what we're saying now, you know, like. Yeah. He's you, putting you wanna, words yeah. to why should we care about this? Which is what yeah. I'm doing the entire time. They're on vacation for the middle third of the movie. <laughs> I know. And you know I'm going, really- I don't care <laughs> about you. Get back from vacation <laughs> and do what you're supposed to do, which is tr- do the heat thing and track each other down, avoid each other, play the chess game. I don't want to see you. Yes, I, kept thinking, been much more you I kept thinking Rick Steves was going to come out and be like, today in Barbados, 
This is now, happening. Would, would you have felt better if, if it was Al Pacino's boobs all the time? If he was topless in Heat as much as Rene Russo's was in this? Look, if it was, it, I said casting. Who would you rather see topless? Uh, they, they, <laughs> oh, give me some more crawfish, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> oh, my nipples are chafing. Is that a painting over there? <laughs> Put it in the fire. Put it in the fire. <laughs> Everything burns. <laughs> I'm cold. <laughs> Where is my shirt? <laughs> if it was Clooney and Pacino, you've got my money. <laughs> now, who would have been the not, who's the late 90s version of Faye Dunaway? It's Susan gone. Sarandon. It should have been Clooney and Sarandon. Ooh. And look, and even the Faye Dunaway That's role. Sexy. Yes, sexy. thank you. And you buy her more as the tough, tough, sexy one than Rene Rousseau. And you buy Clooney as the Cary Grant type, which is what this reimagining of, of Steve McQueen should have been. Because the, the 90s Steve McQueen is obviously... Bruce Willis, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, uh, th th this should have been this. I, I think the theme of this yeah. week is casting, at least for these two movies. How can I possibly trust you? I'm not going to ask that. I'm going to trust you. Isn't that what you wanted? My trust. Tomorrow afternoon. I'll put them on a back. <laughs> Where? Hanging back on the wall in the museum? Yes. You know, Tommy, I'm all checkmated out. If the painting's back, we're free of it all. We're only for each other. I, you know, and I like Pierce Brosnan, and I liked him in this. I did I like him. I, I liked yeah. him, especially at the beginning. I was like, he's so suave, he's so cool. I didn't have a problem with him, essentially. In fact, I liked him more than I liked, uh, a lot more than I liked Rene Russo in it. And I do like Rene Russo a lot in things, but I d didn't. She didn't fit for me in this. She was a little arch in a way that I didn't, I just didn't buy it. And I didn't Correct. buy the relationship. Um, yeah. So, but I, 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 so I, I think both. the know? stakes are in her journey. That's where the stakes lie. And yeah, I enjoyed yeah, right. her journey of, of trying to figure out, do I turn him in or don't I do I, if I love him, I don't, if I, if I, is it about money for me or is it about love? Do I, do I feel for this guy? And I, my favorite part of the movie, you know, spoiling the ending a little bit is watching her, even though she has set him up to be caught, root for him to not be caught. That is mm -hmm. a great oh, twist. And, I, and great. that's the first yeah. moment in the movie. And I was sitting here with my wife. I was like, okay, now this movie's got me. I like this very much. She set him up to be caught and she's rooting for him to not be caught because she loves him. That's great stuff. I like that. What was there to love? I mean, he's very handsome and very rich. There was something. No, no. I mean, honestly, like I didn't understand. Exactly. The thing is, I kind of didn't get like what it was. Did we see any vulnerability? Did we see anything? No, like, no. Zero? And, 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 he opens up to her in a way that makes that's you say, what like, the, okay, that's what all the, it needs the, is one scene. That they th that's connect, what they were right? trying. That's what they thought the Faye Dunaway scene. The Faye Dunaway. Be. Yeah. Yeah. And him, never him in the, uh, the, uh, the therapist's chair. That's what they thought that was going to do. And she literally gets up and points and laughs at him, which a therapist would never when, do. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. Idiot, you're a moron. I was like, what therapist in their that's right mind would get up and they, point and laugh? That's why they didn't make up her hand properly. They were like, hey, you're not going to do anything crazy like point at him and laugh. That would be very out of character for a therapist. And she's like, I am a professional. God damn it, John. And then they she got was like, Frank Langella in to play the hand because he still had his Skeletor costume. Oh. And he and he was he wasn't busy. He was available. Her hairdo was nice also like see, uh, that Mars Attacks thing, which like was like hiding quite the cranium under that. Oh, so when Mark Margolis showed up, I thought, "Is that is this another Faye Dunaway scene?" They look exactly the same. 
Sounds awful. I love Mark Margolis. Come on. Hey, I, he, lives I want... in my, he lives in my parents' building. Oh. Is that right? Yeah, yeah he's so good. Hector Salamanca. He's the best. You what know, a Breaking he, Bad reference. Yeah, you know, he is a creepo in a lot of things. And he's very good. He's the guy in jail, in the jail, right? He's the guy in jail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. he's in uh, that Pacino show that had such a bad final episode. Uh, Pacino show. It's on oh, TV Hunters. Now. Oh, Hunters. Oh, yeah. Hunters. Okay. I was yeah. going to say, I wish yeah. there was a show just called That Pacino, that Pacino Show. show. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> a variety show with Al Jones. Uh, here comes uh, the Dixie Chicks. Are they just the chicks now? Come on out here, ladies. What was, who was your character from uh, Jekyll and Hyde? Brewster Device here. Here comes Brewster Device. Let's bring Brewster around. Actually, when he would, Brewster Device was the name. People would say, oh, Brewster Device. And then he'd say, Deviche. <laughs> Deviche. He'd, he'd correct people. It's Brewster Deviche. I'd like to bring out my good friend, Miss Dion Warwick. <laughs> That's what friends are for. Oh, Al. <laughs> Keep shining. Ooh, <laughs> <give me laughs> stupid. Shine on your crazy diamond. What do you mean that's the wrong song? <laughs> I'm going to take a nap now. <laughs> but the Ladies advertisers want to see. <laughs> Who wants to see my boobs? <laughs> Who wants to see Fred's balls? <laughs> no one apparently from AEA. A E A U A. And sometimes why? So, Wait a minute. You beat me to it. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh my. <laughs> and make an exhale. All right. Well, Very listen. Out. The male sack. <laughs> this is a- I got a new. I have to tell you guys. Tell me. Tell us, please tell us something. I got, I got something. New. Obviously, these movies aren't telling us anything. No, be, well, listen, I was very, I was very, listen. you know, I was inspired by Rene Russo's character um, to, uh, to, and by, and did by, you get a mammogram? Is that the thing that you got? Oh God! I had sex on a marble staircase. No, I. Uh, <laughs> that was another thing. My daughter went. Doesn't that hurt? Yeah, totally. Totally. It was like it was like the sex scene from Team America because it was just like two like plastic dolls put in like different place positions. It was ridiculous. And you saw a lot of Brosnan's tuchus in that. You saw a lot of a lot of his uh, ass doubles. Yeah. Oh right. I don't think it was his ass. Um, No, but I was inspired because it was you know. uh, inspired by Mystery Men as well, because there's a lot of, this is sort of a, you know, fighting crime um, sort of week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so I got a, uh, I got a crime scanner. I, I, I went, I, I, I went ahead and got a crime scanner so that I could get, you know, sort of the feed oh. of, uh, of, of what's going on with, with uh, our Bonnie and Clyde of the buzz, of the buzzness. <laughs> um, and, and it's, I wonder and if it, Faye Dunaway will play Sheila in the movie version of the opening weekend podcast. Oh, Not crazy so. enough. <laughs> um and uh, well it, it sort of feeds out like a like a little ticker tape and so it says uh dateline savannah b lady and companion spotted at honey factory dateline syracuse duo spotted at pollination uh something with pollination we'll put it in later dateline salem duo spotted 
uh, at uh, beekeeping facility. So they're crisscrossing the country. These two. Wow. Wow. They're just crisscrossing the country and they're, they're, they're going all over. So I'm following them on the, uh, on the, uh, on the ticker tape here on wow. the, on the, on the natural crime buzz killers. Oh, natural bee killers. Good. Now that's See what good. I, is it though? Natural, Was it? I don't think so. I like natural buzz killers. That's good. Um, I, I, I don't agree with their crime spree, but you know, I still say more power to them. Fight the man, fight the good fight. And, uh, and listen and subscribe to opening weekend. Right. As long as, as, long that's as they're listening. As that's long all as I care listening. about. What, yeah. what is their crime, Dave? I still don't get it. I still don't really. They're smuggling it. illegal honey. They've killed what a warden. They killed one warden. Well, they and, seemed, and they're stalking or, you. Or they certainly know about his death, right? They seem to have been at odds. And now they're working together. So yeah. initially she was like that son of a bitch or something. She was like, damn you, Jacob Joseph. I, I think he's I think I, he's gotten her into some trouble. I think he's that one of those kind of I think he's one of those kind of adult babies who really <laughs> talks a good game. He, he makes you think he's all sweet and cuddly by being an oversized infant. And then he's kind of. His, his sociopathic, narcissistic tendencies take over, and uh, yeah, he corrupts not, you. He corrupts you. That's what he does. He's yeah. a smooth <laughs> operator, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they're they're yeah. I think they are. Um, I don't know what their crime spree consists of, but I, maybe it will have. Maybe it will come to some sort of fruition or 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 end. You know, I hope not in a Bonnie and Clyde fashion, but maybe we'll see what the Thelma end and game. Louise? Oh no, yeah, <laughs> that's not good either. Uh, no, it never I, ends I, well for those types. Lilo and it? Stitch. There you go. There you it's go. Just two people that we can say. Milo and Otis. Die. Maybe it'll end like Milo and Otis. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Maybe. Cops and Robertsons. <laughs> Tango meet Cash. Cash. This is Tango. <laughs> you two work it out. <laughs> the Sixth Sense. <laughs> Do you like how now the segues just get to a point where things just kind of just meander off into some direction and then I just pause briefly and say the title as if that counts as a real segue? I love it's it. my thing now. It's my thing that I do. It's my thing that I do. The sixth sense. No. <laughs> the sixth sense. <laughs> I'm going to give you three, okay? This is... It's like I'm at Abrams. All right. <laughs> You know the accident up there? Yeah. Someone got hurt. They did? A lady. She broke her neck. Oh my god, but you can see her? Yes. Where is she? Standing next to my window. Cole, what's wrong? You ever talk to your mom about how things are? I don't tell her things. Why not? Because she doesn't look at me like everybody else, and I don't want her to. I don't want her to know. Know what? I see dead people. They get mad. It gets cold. How often do you see them? All the time. Haley Joel Osment is Cole Sear, a young boy harboring a dark secret. He sees dead people. Haunted by visitations from shadowy figures with unresolved problems, Cole is too afraid to tell his mother, played by Tony Collette, about his anguish, but grows to confide in child psychologist Dr. Malcolm Crow, played by Bruce Willis, 
Malcolm is dealing with his own trauma, a horrible incident involving a young patient from his past which is wreaking havoc on his world, in particular his marriage to wife Anna, played by Olivia Williams. Star Bruce Willis had his own special feeling about the film's prospects, but Disney didn't share his confidence, burying the film in the dog days of August instead of releasing it earlier in the summer or holding on to it for a Halloween release. Little was expected of the picture at the box office, with general wisdom dictating that there would be little room for The Sixth Sense to thrive, opening in the aftermath of the summer's other horror hit, The Blair Witch Project. But in the end, the film was a smash, taking in $26.7 million over its opening weekend, with a domestic total of $293.5 million and a worldwide haul of $672.8 million to go along with its six Academy Award nominations. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of The Sixth Sense? It's a fantastic movie. Mm. I loved it. Now, it's very, it's a really interesting an almost difficult movie to watch, to rewatch. Yes, exactly. And now, he, I have a strange relationship in the movie. So we saw it when it first came out because there was a buzz about it. And I, I, you know, I knew what it was. I saw the trailer. I know it's a kid who sees dead people. Um, and at some point, I heard that there was, I don't know where, because I, I didn't read any reviews of it, but I read that there was, or maybe I heard there was a twist. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was just the back of my head that there was maybe a twist there at the end. So with that in mind, when I saw the movie for the first time and I wasn't trying, I wasn't like, oh, what's it going to be? But mm-hmm. at the moment when, and, and I'm, I'm by no means saying that they played their hand or the movie or the story was told badly, but when they're in the scene where he goes to see her at the restaurant and she goes to take, the bill. he reaches for the check and she, she takes it. Yeah. That was the moment where I said, holy shit, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is a movie about a kid who sees dead people. I heard there might be like a little twist. Is that the fucking twist that he's dead? And then it was on my brain the entire rest of the movie. Now, that didn't take anything away from it because I wasn't sure, but I was like, boom, that's curious. Um, and I and I was blown away. I mean, the the jump scares in that movie. I remember being in the theater and people just scream when, when, when you see the woman, the mother cross across the screen or the kid who's like, Hey, you want to see my, oh, my yeah. dad's gun collection? He turns Ooh. around and you see his blo- the, the girl, little girl, Misha Barton the, with the yeah, vomiting. I mean, people leapt out of their seats. I mean, it was a true like horror movie. It just, it was, it was a visceral experience seeing that movie in the theaters. And even though I sort of suspected when it got to the the reveal at the end, I was still blown away and I loved it. It's, it's hard to watch a second time. I watched Why it last night and, and, and I'd see, well, it, it's still a great movie and I still really enjoyed it, but you're watching it in a different way because you, you know, know, you know everything. Now that still makes it interesting because there were things, it's like I watched Get Out, which I thought was the best movie of the year that it came out. That's a movie that demands repeat viewings. There's so many little things that you see every time I, and I've seen it numerous times. And mm. every time I see it, I see something different. And in watching, and I've seen The Sixth Sense several times as well. <laughs> I hadn't seen it in a while yeah. until uh, last night. And there were other things that I noticed that really set it up and really made me go, oh God, it's really, it's really fucking brilliant because there's no, there really aren't any little loopholes there. No, There's there so many things that I didn't notice um, and they, he really sets it up 
beautifully. I mean, even in that scene. And he teases you. He's got he so really many little does. things about magic tricks and, right. and the penny and it yep. was there all the time. Totally. And, yeah. and uh, st- bedtime stories are only good if there was a twist. I mean, he's like, it, the, the twist is is essential to the movie, but what is great about it and why the movie works so well is that there is a story beyond just the story of the trick, the, mm-hmm. the finding out that he is actually dead. And, and that's know, why you, it works so well. You know what I, I caught even more this time and it, and it blew me away. And, you know, back then, I mean, he was such a revelation, Haley Joel Osment in the movie. He's, oh, he's so God. good. He's so yeah. good. But watching it now, Beautiful. I'm just, I'm thinking, my God, it's really brilliant because he's playing and I'm seeing it now. He's not only playing his own you know, what he's going through, which obviously he is, but even as an actor playing the fact that he knows right from the start, he knows that Bruce Willis is dead, mm-hmm. right? And there's, that's what I noticed this time. There's so many little things that he does that aren't obvious, little right. small moments, or even the way he speaks to Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. certain lines that he says. He says, I'm going to see you again, right? Mm-hmm. Like he knows and he doesn't want to. And there the scenes where Haley Joel, where his character gets really <laughs> angry and it's because he just wants this fucking ghost to go away, but he recognizes there's something different in this one. Uh, that's, I was just, I was really impressed. Yeah. By that, this, this, on this rewatch. Now, I haven't seen the movie. So, wait, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time? (laughs) (laughs) He's actually, he's Hudson Hawk. I was just going to say, his career is dead at this point. (laughs) That's all that's happening in the movie. Which, you know, that's what what comes back to life after this movie. Right, exactly. It's it's interesting that you say that because something else that I was thinking about is that by this point, look, his career certainly wasn't dead by any means. Sure, no. He was on the, you know, he'd done Armageddon, Fifth Element. He'd done, was it the second or the third Die Hard by this point? I can't remember. He released Under the Boardwalk, uh, his new uh, (laughs) tape of that. You know what's funny? Armageddon and Sixth Sense, two huge hits for him, mega hits. And they only got made because he was in so much, he was in such deep debt with a film (gasps) that he had financed that he pulled the plug on. Disney bailed him out. His agents came up with a deal with Disney. He said, Disney will take your loss on that. But in exchange, you make three movies for them over the next three years. Interesting. Now he yeah. got paid for those movies. You know, I mean, it wasn't, sure, you sure. know, but he was, but he was committed to that deal in order for those debts to go away. And the deal included first was Armageddon, then was Sixth Sense. I don't remember what the third one was, but I mean, two of the biggest hits of his career wow. came out of that. Like, you know, I have to make a deal with the devil. Did, <laughs> did uh, was Pulp Fiction already? Yeah. What year that was came that? Before, yeah. That, really that was came 94. Before, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because this seems, so other that, than Pulp too. Fiction, because that was sort of, I feel like, uh, that was a new thing for him as well, you know, a different direction. But this, to me, I remember when it when it came out, it, it really did seem like a very different direction for Bruce Willis and a different Bruce Willis. And it seemed like it, it was doing something different for his career. I thought you meant the other Italian restaurant I asked you to marry me in. I'm so sorry, Anna. I just can't seem to keep track of time. And I didn't have a very good session today. I... They're both so similar. Same mannerism, same expression, same things hanging over their head. I think it might be some kind of abuse. Cole has scratches on his arm. I think they might be fingernail cuts, defensive cuts maybe, I don't know. I... Maybe a teacher or a neighbor. I don't think it's the mother. I've, I've seen her with him, and 
Doesn't seem to fit. Or I could just be wrong. Maybe he's just a kid who likes to climb trees a lot. I think he knows as an actor, oh, this is going to this is this is new territory for me in a way as far as um, new stuff to sink my my teeth into. The great thing that I noticed on this rewatch was the way that Shyamalan is telling you things without telling you, you know, he's he's um, he does a lot of things through sound when they when in that scene in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. When they're sitting across from each other, I know what you're going to say. She appears to look at him. Yes, but what she's reacting to is a laugh. Is the from laugh across and, the room? Yes, yeah. I noticed that this yep. time too, and I wrote that down. And I there's thought, another that's that's brilliant. Brilliant. so fucking brilliant. And there's another time where Tony Collette seems to look at Bruce Willis, but she's actually reacting to something across the. I forget if they're in the doctor's office or where they are. Okay. And, yeah, and she, that's what I mean. He's so yeah, the he, hospital. There, there are no little loopholes. He's very he's very careful. Yep. The you know window how he sets break, everything up. The window break when when she's she's with the. Uh, the guy who's trying to be her boyfriend and the window. And then you see Bruce Willis go away. You don't see him break the window. That could have been any human being breaking that window, Mm -hmm. but you see him walking briskly away and you, the viewer put it together. Oh, he must've broke the, broken the window and, Mm -hmm. and, and walked away briskly. You never see him do that. That's, that's so great that he is, it's playing you in a way. Shyamalan is playing, playing with you. Um, and doing magic on you, you know, which is yeah. such a cool and thing. And then has monologues about magic tricks and about like exactly. the penny was there all the time. All that exactly. stuff, like really like teasing you with it the He's same way, you. the same way Christopher Nolan, who was a very similar kind of filmmaker, uh, it, like has a speech in the prestige. He's got a whole speech about this is like, uh, it, like where he lays mm. out how a magician. I've never seen you know, that. Yeah. Uh, it's that's a, that's a, really a great, movie. great movie. Is but that it's Jackman? Like, that's Jackman, Jackman and, Christian and Bale, Bale and Your Michael Caine as in uh, as Christian in Bale's in it. I won't see it. it. No, he's wonderful, <laughs> but you don't like him. But, um, but it's, a, it. it's a great movie, but it does. Yeah, it does. It spells all this stuff out. And it's not only um, analogous to what he's doing, what Nolan is doing in that film, but it's actually analogous to what he does his whole career. You know, it's it's very kind cool. of like the way he approaches filmmaking. It's like mm. his aesthetic. And that's and it's and it's very much it's kind of like in this movie, Shyamalan's kind of laying out his whole like this is how this is his preferred method of storytelling is like, yeah. I'm going to set something. I'm going to create a world. I'm going to you're going to buy into everything. And then I've got something up my sleeve and I'm going to wow you with it at the end. And it, it's hard for the guy as a career. You know, I mean, how long can you do? You know, that's why he's got a few things that you know, nothing quite as powerful as Sixth Sense. No. But he's got several that seem to. I think the village works well. I think signs works well. Oh, I, I do not like the village. Well. I don't like the village. I love I signs. I the village. I thought the signs twist, I I thought the twist yeah. took me by surprise with that. And then I was like, well, that's kind of great. But but yeah, I don't think the village is one of his major films. But I think sometimes that thing works and then sometimes it, yeah. it just does not. But uh, But it's also like. Once you do it, well, that's the thing about a magic trick. It's like then when everybody's looking for it, looking everybody's for looking it. for the and thing. And that was what yeah. happened with me for the village because I was yes. looking for it. And I was like, I wonder if it's, spoiler alert, everyone, I wonder if it's that. Mr. Falcon. And it, that's exactly what it turned out to be. Because that's like, it. Then you like come up with, you're like, based on what I'm seeing, it's either A, B, or C. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're, you're kind of like, Now I'm not going to go the see thing. the village. I was going to watch it when we were finished. Oh, oh. you haven't seen it? No, I didn't. But happy birthday to oh, me, Dan. Was that, that was my gift? birthday 
present to you. <laughs> You're going to ruin every M. Night Shyamalan movie that I haven't seen? Maybe someone came in our house, took the bumblebee pendant out of my closet, and placed it nicely in your drawer. Maybe. God, I am so tired, Cole. I'm tired in my body. I'm tired in my mind. I'm tired in my heart. I need some help. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but our little family isn't doing so good. I mean, I've been praying, but I must not be praying right. Looks like we're just going to have to answer each other's prayers. The, the, the little boy absolutely has to still have the good relationship with his mother. Meaning, meaning you, everyone else can think I'm a freak and I'll take it. But if you don't believe in me, if you think I'm, I'm flawed or a freak, as he says, yeah. I won't be able to, I won't make it. And yeah. their relationship is beautiful. beautiful. She's so, she's so, she's so good. Their acting together is so oh, gorgeous. Th th that That's scene in the car is the greatest thing. Yeah. It is so well done and it, and it never ceases to move me to tears. It's yeah. so, so good. But he can't lose her. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. that's the heart and soul of this movie. And she's so freaking good. It, it she's, kills she's me. fantastic. She's I, to me, I the scene her. that really, and I, I, I remember liking it then. And I, I love the way it's shot too. It's a scene where the they're tracking. eating together at the table. And Oh, that's it, a wonderful scene. Too. And, the camera and I love goes how it just goes back and, and forth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. it's like, they're so separate and it's just trying to bring them together. Yeah. It's the isolation they're both yeah. feeling. Isolated so in the, the, the camera yeah. keeps isolating them. And I'll tell you, I, I mean, I it was it. much more moving to watch at this time being a parent myself just that idea of just wanting your kids to be okay and that hurt. And especially that scene where she thinks he's lying. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. there with my kids and that just, it just hurts. Cause you're like, God damn it. Just fucking tell the truth. I, I want to yeah. be there for you. Yeah. I want to help you. But yeah. if you're lying to me and you get so angry, but it's also that, that deep sense of pain and hurt. Like, why won't you just let mm. me in? Uh, yeah. Their relationship was, it was so beautifully played mm. by both of them. I think my favorite shot is, uh, and, and I love that, especially that scene where the camera goes back and forth with them. But that one little scene where they're in the parking lot of the grocery store and he's in the grocery cart and she's just pushing him yeah. and he's, yeah, he's, he's giggling flying. and she's happy. Yeah. And she, he's happy and his arms are, oh. and it's like this, this little tiny, and there's the pumpkins in the, in the background. Yeah. It's, it's fall. It's Halloween time. And there's just something, I, I don't even remember what that scene leads into or if there is a furthering of that. I don't remember if the scene is Anything more than just that little personal moment of them I in the you're parking right. I think lot. That's what it is. Yeah. It's just a beautiful little thing of like, like those things where, where things are so hard and communicating is so hard, but you just you find these little moments of joy and simplicity and and not a care in the world for two seconds, and you just you know a spontaneous moment of yeah. joy that you couldn't you couldn't force or or micromanage or whatever. It just it just happens, and it was lovely. Such and you need acting. that because it's, it is such a, the movie, you know, there's, there's such a, a feel of dread throughout the movie and unease with these characters. So yeah. you need that. And you obviously get that these characters care for one another, but it is, it's almost like a relief. Like you can take a breath for a second and be like, mm -hmm. oh, they're smiling. There's joy. And this is what it would have been like yeah. had none of this happened. Um, and how many movies that are truly scary, and this movie is truly scary at times, oh, yeah. as we've said. How many movies that are truly scary also do that, what we're describing? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Have these moments of, of tremendous heart and tremendous soul and connection 
and depth. You know, the, 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 there are not many that can pull that off. And maybe that's why Disney wanted to bury this thing because they were like, what is this thing? Is it horror? Not really. Is it, is it, it it wasn't quite enough of column A or B or C. They didn't Hmm. quite know what to do with it or if it was going to, or if it was going to play. And then obviously it did. We're flashing back to 1999 when we were with the film star, 11 year old Haley Joel Osment. I'm glad that a lot of people were able to connect with the movie because um, it's, it really is not just a horror movie. It's a, it's a movie about communication. And I'm glad a lot of people out there could uh, connect with that. How, do you know anything about how they found Osmond or like where he came from or how that, because I mean, it, it, the whole movie really rides on, you know, I can't imagine looking at that script and, and not going, holy fuck, we have to find the best child actor in the world. And they kind of did. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, he, he had played Forrest Gump's son. Oh, that's what I'm thinking Gump. of. That's exactly oh, for what God's sake. And of he had course. done commercials and things like that. Um, Shyamalan said, I won't make the movie if it's not him. He's oh, he's like, that's, that's the perfect. only kid that I, great. Yeah, I want. He's and perfect. And, then the and he's great so now. Have you seen him in anything recently? No. Oh, is he he's on great. Silicon Valley? He's on Silicon yeah, Valley. Yeah, he's funny on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's great on He has it. a little part on it. Yeah. He oh, comes in towards it. I love that series. And Me I, too. I watched yeah. the entire yeah. thing. Yeah, he's a, he, came he has in, a beard. He's like big, big and has a beard He's now. much heavier. Oh, um, yeah. wow. God, really? I, just, I just watched the, the series seasons. for the first time recently and I'm blanking on his character's oh, name. Damn. Oh, I'll, I'll figure it out because I love yeah. that show. I, and I go back and rewatch the season. Was he in the final season of it? I feel like fourth or fifth season. Oh, yeah. yeah. The I got to go back and find He's in there. He's not in a lot of episodes, but he's in a couple in a row, I think. I think. I mean, he, he comes in as an investor and yeah, it's yeah, just very funny, yeah. like where he's gone and who he's grown into. And right, yeah. he's such a different type, but he's really, he's still good. He's still, you know, yeah. he's such he a smart child. Everybody was like, he was just so intelligent about the questions he asked and the way he approached the work. And like it's when cool. he talked about it, his descriptions were like, well, it's about people struggling to communicate with each other. That's like, he's quoted it. Like what, wow. how old was he? 10 years old or something Fantastic. saying, Jesus. so it's all about that. And like the frustration of not being able to communicate and how that makes you scared. And like, so that's how he, that's what, how he channeled into fear by not wow. being able to communicate. It's like, it's just very heady stuff for such a young child. And yeah, he's kind of he's supernaturally talented. Um, yeah. It was a great movie. It's a great, great movie. It really. Yeah. Holds still up. holds up. Definitely holds, holds up. up. How many really Sheila's? Ooh. Ooh, I'm going to give that. Wow. I'd give, I'd give that a good nine Sheila's. I'm with you. Good nine I'm, Sheila's. I think that's, I think it's nine, nine Sheila's and half a cardamom pancake. It is up <laughs> yeah. there. It can't get much better. I don't even, I, 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 yeah, I almost feel like I, yeah. I, maybe it's 10 Sheila's. I mean, there's nothing wrong it, with it. There's yeah. not well, a here, Okay. Problem. Here's, here's my one question. And it doesn't and, suffer from knowing the trick either. That's not at the all. Thing. Not at all. But here is a question, and this doesn't take away from it, and I don't mean to be like, oh, this is a loophole. Wait a minute. Yeah. But I did wonder this time, him being, obviously we know he's dead, Bruce Willis. Um, uh, oh. Malcolm. Yeah, sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. That Malcolm's dead. How did he know about Cole? Where did he get all these files? How did he, because, you know, when he, when he shows up to him, or is it, maybe I just answered my own question, because Cole does say at the end, when they're going to the girl's house, yeah. the, the parents where he says, wow, she traveled a long way to find me. So it's almost that like they go, these dead people, they to know him. to go to this boy. Yeah. They don't know why. Cause I, I was yes. just wondering this time, 
How did he know to go to Cole? How does he have all this information about Cole? He's got files on Cole. So he's obviously been observing him for a while. And also he does say they see what they, they see what they want to see. They yeah. don't see what they don't want to see. So maybe that's what it was. He was just drawn to this. He's drawn to him. Yeah. And there's yeah. that room. Isn't it the wine cellar where he's got his files and his yeah. work? He keeps mm-hmm. going there. He keeps having yeah. access to that part of the house and he has files. And he used to say, so this is one year after he's yeah, shot. The next and fall, it says, it's the yeah. following fall or whatever. So, I mean, wh- who's to say that this wasn't like in his files of like like upcoming work or case files? You know what I mean? That there wasn't oh, yeah. something that existed in his home already, you know, sure. like files for like. True, for, for true. Up, yeah, that would make patient. sense. I don't know. I don't know. But I, but I also, that's if you want to get very like, okay, there has to be a logical explanation for how he knew, blah, 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 blah. I also agree with you, Fred, that there's something about that the spirits were all just drawn and don't know, they don't know they're dead or they don't know what's going on. And they're just drawn to him, yeah, to the kid right. in some way that he just unwittingly just finds himself like. How fucking creepy was that when Tony Collette is looking at the pictures of him as a boy and you just see the yeah. little light? Yeah, he's special. He means he's special. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Or the spirits are with him even The then. spirits, that's what yeah, it is. Wow. That she's starting to notice what is. Yeah. Something's. Wow. Unique. I did not. Oh, you didn't get that? I don't. Oh yeah, that all those little every picture has a little lens flare in it. Yeah, Yeah. that she looks at. Yeah. Did you get this? Anytime the color red is featured prominently, it means that there's a harbinger. I think of of death, Death, or you know, death is on the is in the room or something. I noticed that this time. This was the first time. Yeah. Well, the red doorknob. I I don't. I didn't fully understand. What was so supposed to be, be was supposed to be something significant beyond the door. He keeps trying to go into that. Right, room. there's a desk and in it's front always of it and you blocked, see that at the and you end. only see that at the end. But would, do we ever see what's in it? I always thought it was like, yeah. maybe it was like things that would prove to him he is dead. And that's why it's not like maybe his old things or like a bunch of stuff. Oh, I yeah. didn't know what it was. I don't know. Do we ever see what's in that closet? We never, I don't think we ever do. But that's a really good theory is that he can't go in there because that's it's something that sort would, of. That, would, that, that uh, indicates his mortality, that would tell him. Oh my God. His own death. This is my, yeah, these are all my clothes uh, is in vacuum sealed something. You know what I mean? It's a, okay. it's also very interesting for him to be shot, for him to have like an outfit with so many different layers on the night he died. Like right. the, there's the coat, there's that sweatshirt we see him pull on. And then there's like a three piece <laughs> suit and tie so that he can do so many variations during the movie that you don't notice that he's, you get he's rumpled yeah. and sometimes he's more put together, but you never really think about the fact that it's the same clothes. It's much more like a, like Peter Falk is Columbo where he's always like, he's always got the coat and he's always got the thing, you know, he's always a little room. He's always got a variation on no, the same outfit, but you don't realize yeah. that it's exactly it's been set the up. set of clothes. And yeah. that he's so shot good. in such a way that the exit wound is behind him. So behind he'll never him, yeah. ever see it. He'll never yes. know it's there and he'll never see it. So smart. Mystery man. How many Sheelers? Uh, three, maybe I did laugh. But no, it was bad. It was just a badly, it was a, that, I, it, it yeah. annoys me when I see movies that are made poorly, Over, even more yeah. of like a bad script, but just, it, just the way it was shot and edited and put together. Just, I'm going like I said, two. It looked like a, I'm going two shields. Yeah. Me too. Two shields. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the two. Just, just thinking about that, that last <laughs> sequence. I'm just like, this is, I, I made better movies like this. When I was running around with the BBC with my Super 8 camera, just the way it was shot. When you did the man who got pissed off when he got pissed on. That was <laughs> a better movie. That's a classic. That was a better movie. Sure, it's, not it's, essentially, it's not far off from something in that movie. There's a you, whole you, you were the original Mr. Furious. Farts. 
You were I the really original was. Mr. Furious. I was yeah. so There's a guy who gets angry and a guy who farts. And a, a two-year-old could have written that. Or, <laughs> or Fred <laughs> at, at 12. <laughs> I mean, whatever. But, all right, Thomas Crown Affair. How many Sheila's? Uh, for fuck's sake, I don't know. Four. That's exactly what I was going to say. I give it uh, five. Four. Maybe. I give it two five. for each heist. And I take there away. I, and, uh, I gave it four as a movie. I'll give it five for Rene Russo's boobs. I'm sorry, I'm easy. It was overkill. It was overkill. It became ridiculous. Again, I say for you. I'm a big fan of Rene Russo. Me too. Unclothed, I should say. Oh, for God's does that make me a bad person? I think she's beautiful. I think she's It does beautiful. not make you a bad person. I no. enjoy I give her she's a I give her the, four well. stars for her uh for, for the the her journey through the movie, which I thought was the only thing that compelled me to keep watching. I would have given it five Sheila's. I'm taking one Sheila away for the Central casting terrorist guards who come in and are like, this wing of the museum is closed. And and, and guys who work at the museum are like, oh, okay. New threatening muscle man. With with an accent. The the middle. So stupid. I was like, this is not subtle at all. Uh, So, yes, I remove a Sheila for that. Yeah, Um, removing one Sheila. All right. Well, the phone line is lighting up. Uh, There is one call at this uh, at, at this hour. And this, uh, late this late hour. Yeah, this late hour. And I'm going to go ahead and take the call. If that's okay with you guys. Of course it is. All go right. Uh, hello and welcome. You're on the uh, you're on the opening weekend podcast. Uh, welcome to uh, welcome to the show. Yeah. Um. Uh, happy birthday, Fred. It's Adam. Adam. Hey. Thank you so what a what a pleasant surprise. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for remembering. Um. Good to I hear hope you. you I hope you had a good birthday. Hello, Jason. How are uh, you? I'm 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 as okay as I can be. I yeah. mean, yeah. You know, I I don't know if you guys know. I don't know if you you figured out from all your research, uh, but uh, I was up for this movie. I was up for. Oh my gosh! The Haley thought- Joel Osment uh, character. You yeah, it great. came down to me and him. It was me and him. Wow. I didn't get uh, it. Were you just a little too young for it? You say uh, at that time maybe. Were you? I didn't think I was a little too young for it. I thought it was just the right age for it, but it went to somebody else and wow. uh, he did a great job. He did fine. But now I'm freelancing, you know, now I'm freelancing. I have some ideas that I want to swing by you guys. Oh, sure. Absolutely. They're inspired by this week's films. I'm thinking of opening a new a poultry restaurant where you don't know what kind of poultry you're going to get. It's called <laughs> Mystery Hen. We choose whether it's going to be a chicken or a peacock or this or that. <laughs> or a peacock? Can you, can you you peacock? peacock meat? I, it's very good. You should try it. I've been all over the world. It's exotic. I've been all over the world eating peacock meat. Mystery Hen sounds, uh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think of opening a bakery. Uh I'm calling it I See Bread, people. (laughs) I don't know if that sounds appealing to you. I do like that. Yeah, that works really well. I think people would like, people love bread. People love carbs (laughs) these days. Well. People doing a lot of baking. That's true. That's very true. I see bread. Do you get it? I see bread. People. Absolutely. We're. I'm. I'm saying I like it. Okay. That might be a little too traumatizing for me because again, I did not get the part. My third idea 
is <laughs> I, I t- one of my characters that I, I don't not always the baby when I go to these parties. Oh sure. And I was thinking that since I am versatile, since I do have virtuosity, I can play you different characters. Yeah. I have range. Absolutely. For people's parties, for high-end parties. Mm-hmm. The Thomas Clown Affair, where I show up as a clown <laughs> for high-end adult parties instead of the baby for once. Will, will you steal something at the party? Is that kind of uh, that part of it? And then bring it, put, bring it back at the end of the night? No, that's a good idea. That's the first good idea you've had. Wow. Although I got to say, I, I don't want to, I, I think you were, I, I think you might want to keep things legit. You have enough. There, there's a lot of that's a drama good in your family as it is. That's a good I point. So I, I take yeah. that back, Jason. That's a terrible idea. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> so of the three, again, I'm part of the army of freelancers. I want to go into my own business. I want to be my own, you know, entrepreneur. What do you mm-hmm. think of the of the ideas? Where I would you go? What would you do? Uh, my vote. I see bread people. Okay, I think that's my favorite. <laughs> I lean towards that one as well. If you guys, you know, if you ever monetize this whole thing, mm-hmm. I'm part of your success. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, if you ever monetize, if you ever have a paywall, if you ever monetize this thing, boom, you shoot me a little of that, and we start the business. Okay, so let's just le- hey. No, no, uh, honey, no, don't, don't come in here right now. Sheila, do not come in here right now. Sheila, do not. Oh, the line went dead. What the hell? What is going on? Sheila, honey? <gasps> well, not, not even honey. Not even a buzz. That's not even a business reference. <laughs> Unless he was speaking just, to Sheila and to honey. And to, and to a vat of honey. But wait a minute. My mind is blown. What? What wait is a going minute. on? Oh, no, no, no. I know exactly what's happening. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. What is it? I don't get it. Sheila doesn't know which one of the twins she's <laughs> They're twins. It's twins. not Jacob, Joseph, and Sheila making their way around the country. It's mm. Sheila and Adam. And, she, and, she, and because of her lazy eyes, she, <laughs> she can't tell the She can't perceive the slight differences. But then who, what happened to you? <laughs> But then what happened to the warden? Where, what happened to the warden? No. What happened? Oh, God. The plot what happened? Oh, God. What happened to our podcast? That is quite, that is, that is a, is a Shyamalan-esque twist. That's a Shyamalan-esque twist that no one expected. That's a Shama. That's what we'll say now. When something's a twist, we'll say, oh, that's a Shama. Wow. 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 Well, that is. Well, I we, can't wait. Now I can't wait for next week. I wasn't that excited about doing another podcast next week. But now, but now I'm thrilled because I think, the, 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 I hope somebody, anybody listening to this is as thrilled as we are to see where this goes. But I, I know it. I am. I know I am. Oh, my God. Maybe next week. I think, you know. Maybe Geppetto, Smidgen, <laughs> maybe all the characters, all comeback characters, beings, actual characters. Go to the morning zoo. Also. <laughs> Mr. Leonard, Mr. Mr. Leonard's, Leonard's going to be here. He doesn't want to go to work today. Mr. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Um, wow. Well, God bless wow. you, Adam. Well, yeah. no, not God bless you. We don't know what's happening. Yeah. Well, for, forget it. I'm wishing him well. 
God bless, God everyone. bless us, everyone. Everyone, just uh, listen and subscribe. Five yes. stars, and please, and, uh, if what you just heard sounds like five star <laughs> material, please <laughs> subscribe. Yeah. Please give us five stars. Even if it's two, we'll take two stars mm, for this one. No, if you're thinking no, two, give wait, wait until a week where you think it's five stars, and then go and give the five. <laughs> we cannot afford to be dragged down to a four point, you no, know, whatever. At this absolutely point, absolutely not. Next week on opening weekend, we're going to look back to August 14th, 1987. That's right. We're heading back to the 80s for a quartet of films. Uh, Can't Buy Me Love, starring Patrick Dempsey. Disorderlies, starring The Fat Boys, if you know who they are. (laughs) I get a rap group, The Fat Boys, a trio of heavyset teens. No Way Out. Starring uh, Kevin Costner, I believe. And I cannot remember. Is it Sean Young? Sean Young and Will Patton are in that. Ah. Is Gene Hackman it? Gene Hackman, too. Oh, good God. Yay. We get to watch Gene Hackman next week. I totally forgot That's a good one. I'm excited. Cool. And The Monster Squad, which I have never seen. I don't know. I don't know of any stars in that one, but I think it's like. Not Charlize Theron and Christine Ritchie? No. That would be great. You watch that, and then we'll see how the we'll see how the commentaries line up. Um, it's yeah. not with Halle Berry and and uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Again, I, we should each watch. You watch Monster. Fred watch Monsters Ball. I'll watch Monster Squad, and we'll see. Please, and we'll see please, if we, let's do that. And we'll That's see if, what I want. And we just have to find three things that line up and match. That make them that make them a triple bill. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's it. Back to 1987 next week on opening weekend. Thanks so much for listening, Dan. You got anything for us this week? Oh, a song I hate. <gasps> Smash oh, right. Mouth All Star. That, that would be it. Oh, it's the, really the only thing this week. Yeah, and know? it's also very. It's a very good 1999. Yeah, it's time I could do 1999. Song. Prince is 1999 <gasps> too. Nah, we'll do this. Nah, this is dumber, which makes it better for fun. This is, this is more <laughs> of the era. Yeah. Oh, I hate this song, but here it is. That's fantastic, and I would I would vote that you should send that to Smash Mouth and say, "Hey, look, why don't you lay down this track underneath those sterling vocals?" And I smell I smell top forty sensation. I always smell top forty sensation. That's my cologne. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's nice to smell something after a It's over 40 sensation. Oh, oh, very good. <laughs> Opening weekend. <laughs> See you next week. The Opening Weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.